1: find a location near you at bank slash talk to us what would you like the power to do mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices message and data rates may apply bank of america and member FDIC. these two guys have minnesota sports flowing in
0: their veins Mackie and shot on score north and score north.com yeah i mean it's, that's kind of been a pattern for us a lot you know there's a team will string together a couple threes on us and uh Push a lead out from let's say six or seven to fifteen or more, and we just we don't respond. I, I you know whether it's uh, offensively we can't get a bucket or uh, turn it over or we can't get a stop next time down. Yeah, so yeah, for sure that's where the game was lost for us today. Hmm. Reckless speculation. Welcome to Reckless Speculation Thursday here on Mackie and Judd. Executive producer Declan hitting the buttons off the top. And our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson from the 5 Eyewitness News sports team and the Scoop podcast, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. Inside information about your favorite local sports teams. And boys, Chris Finch was stumped yesterday, but I think now that we've seen the breaking news this morning, it's acceptable for the wolves to be just a little bit uh, down in the dumps when, uh, when you see that Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez have issued a joint statement announcing the official breaking up of their engagement. Uh, J Lo clearly not happy with A Rod buying one of the worst franchises in American sports. Did and I? This was the final straw.
2: Did I see this right? Did the did these two jokers go on the Today Show to officially talk about this or? There there was a today. I saw a Twitter headline today that there was a Today Show involvement. I mean, have two people ever been bigger complete frauds in life? Like, (laughs) like they're splitting up and they're going on the Today Show to announce it. Okay, all you need to know. Okay, can't talk to Jenny. So when so when a Rod moves the the Wolves, no question, the bidding Sports Center, the Today Show. Good Morning America, no question. We also one will bid and get the announcement that they're going to Cancun or wherever they're going.
0: I think I think you're onto something. I think the right way to do this would have been get Jim Gray in the mix, oh, and and A and the the rumors have been going on for about a month, and A Rod and J Lo sit down and uh, Alex, J Lo, what's your decision? Uh, and then they have to announce at the same time. I don't know something like that. We also have drama that. Apparently, ESPN is mad that A-Rod floated the scoop of the purchase of the Timberwolves to the Athletic and not Woj at ESPN. A-Rod employed by ESPN. So A-Rod, just all kinds of drama already (laughs) in the first 48 hours. Doogie, what's going on with you? What what are you hearing uh, the last 48 hours talking to people inside the Wolves organization?
3: Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, Judd, you see that guy to your, I guess it would be your left, my right? That is Doug Minkavich, correct? Yeah. Dougie Baseball wow. is the bobblehead right. of the day. That's right. Uh, Dougie Do- Minkavich. Do- Tell Dougie Do- to text me back. That is one of A-Rod's <laughs> best friends. Yeah, I've been yeah trying high school, to gain right? Yes, on A-Rod from Dougie. Dougie and I have a relationship, yet the man won't text me back. So if you're in touch with Minkavich. Tell him to text me back. I'll get right oh, on so it. Just, just real, real quick.
0: Uh, congratulations to Doogie being the first one all week to correctly identify generic white guy bobblehead. He's blowing a bubble and he's got the 16, which I think you can see, right?
3: <laughs> I, can't. I can't. I can see the 16. Yeah, so yeah he put that's the how, pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah, that's how I knew who it was. It was a statement released to, to the Tate show. It wasn't, okay. it wasn't them sitting down with okay. the Robin Roberts of, of the NBC morning <laughs> show. That being said, I get where you're coming from. I can't speak about J-Lo, but he's also known as A-Fraud, right? It's A-Rod, A-Fraud. As far as the way things leaked on Saturday, Johnny K had it. I think he probably got it from the Wolves, actually, because the Wolves had a statement ready to go. I got a text message. I was on the set for TV. I was anchoring with Chris Long doing 45 TV high school basketball coverage. I was on the set doing my Channel 5 duties. I got a text from one of the Wolves spokespeople and it was a prepared statement. So I think that's where, that's where he got his info from. So credit to him on that for beating everybody by about four seconds. Darren Ravel had it right then and there as well. So maybe A Rod leaked it to Ravel, but yeah, the athletic had, had some other information with shams. Yeah. Woj was a little behind on, on that one. So yeah, that's, that's probably some pretty good drama. What I've heard is, hey, a-Rod was here on Monday. I talked to Cheryl Reeve for a while yesterday, the Lynx coach and general manager. She spent some good time with, with A-Rod and Mark Lori on Monday. They were actually in their draft room, she said. The WNBA draft is tonight. So they were having some draft meetings. A-Rod and Lori, you know, and, and whoever was guiding the tour, ended up knocking on the door, and they stopped, and they chatted, and Laurie took some questions. And, and Cheryl's point was, hey, gentlemen – Because they admitted, hey, we don't know a whole lot about the WNBA. I mean, make no mistake, they're doing this because they want to own an NBA team, not a WNBA team. The Lynx happen to be part of this transaction. Cheryl's point to them was, hey, the reason we are the model franchise, and I don't think anybody would debate that of the 12 WNBA franchises, the Minnesota Lynx Mm -hmm. are at the top. Mm -hmm. They are number one. And Cheryl's point is, and I don't think she's lying on this, that A big reason why we're the model franchise is Glenn. That Glenn provides all these great amenities. Glenn doesn't say no to any of our requests. Heck, Cheryl said she was down in San Antonio scouting the NCAA tournament. She had Katie Smith, who's on the staff, go down there and scout. She had her assistant general manager go down and scout. I don't know this for sure, but I wonder if every WNBA team, if they wanted to send three people to go scout, if if the owner would say, yeah, go ahead, I'll pay for those flights, I'll pay for those hotel rooms, maybe one. You know, but Glenn just, he never says no to anything Cheryl requests. So Cheryl said, hey, outside of that, it was good. Like, she got a good first impression with A-Rod, with Lori. I asked her about how how the heck did this come together in seven days. So a reminder, when I talked to Glenn on Saturday night, he said it was about a week prior, like literally seven days prior when A-Rod and Laurie first approached him, they ended up meeting at his house in Naples, Florida. The negotiation went fast. A $1.5 billion negotiation happened. Snap of the fingers. That, to me, is about the most amazing part of this equation. Cheryl said, hey, you know, I can't exactly speak to, to a transaction of that magnitude money-wise, but I can tell you, I've made some trades over the years where it was done in 30 seconds. That, that I've had these trade talks with other teams, and we didn't get anywhere. We went back and forth for days upon days, weeks upon weeks. We kept getting stuck in the middle. I've made trades where it was done literally after one or two minutes. We just we knew what each other wanted. We had a good feel for each other. Boom. It was done. So she made that comp to Glenn Taylor getting just a good vibe, a good wow. feel from Lori and A-Rod. But I get the skepticism. I really do. But I still think the path to Seattle getting a team, because Seattle – is getting a team. Make no mistake about that. It might be five years from now, not three years from now, but Seattle is getting a team. I still think the path to Seattle getting a team is not A-Rod moving the Wolves to Seattle, but the NBA expanding to Seattle.
2: So, Dukes, what are the next steps now? So for this to get done and for Glenn to stay involved, at least at first, the thought uh, being that he's going to stay involved for a couple of years while the transition goes through, I have my doubts about that. But what are the next uh, steps here that we're going to see in the coming months to, to start the transfer process, do you think?
3: Well, why do you have those doubts, first off, Judd? Because Glenn likes to be involved. He wants a succession plan. He's 80 years old. There wasn't a logical succession plan within the Taylor family. So he realizes, I mean, who knows, maybe he lives until uh, the guy there on uh, and I guess it would be your right, my left, you know, maybe he lives as long as Sid Hartman, maybe Glenn Terrell lives another 20 years, <laughs> but he had to be thinking of, of some sort of succession plan. And sure. it doesn't, it doesn't exist within his family. So like Glenn wanted to make this happen, but Glenn also wants to remain in, well, in, involved as, as long as he can. So, as you know, a you- and Lori might push for it, but I think Glenn's going to push, hey, I do want to remain here for, for another two and a half years.
2: Hey, Dukes, as Pat said when Calvin sold uh, to Carl in 84, the original plan was a slow transition in which Calvin w- would stay involved. And the end process was that they quickly fired all of Calvin's people and they gave C- Calvin an office and they said, you can sit here all you want. And that was it. So I, I guess it's not that Glenn won't be wouldn't be kept around. It's just that ordinarily these transitions are. We're going to come in and do our own thing completely, which is fine. I mean, you you buy that team. So I'm just I'm curious now because we've had so many previous Taylor stops and starts. You know, he's going to sell. He's not going to sell. He's going to sell. Uh, what we're going to see now that's going to make us believe, okay, this is actually in motion this time. That's what I'm asking.
3: Well, yeah, and it's already in motion. I mean, you know, per Glenn, and if anything over the years, what I've learned from Glenn is he's overly honest. Like, you know, Journalism 101, why is this person lying to me? You know, Glenn will bite his tongue and maybe on occasion not answer a question I have for him. But more often than not, you know, maybe he's learned his lesson the last couple years after some, after some talking to from, from some Wolves executives. But going back many years, like, he would volunteer too much information. So I do take Glenn at face value that, that just about every I is dotted, every T is crossed, everything that they need to negotiate has been negotiated. Yeah, it'll take a little bit more time for the lawyers to go through the the, the pages of of paperwork for, for official signatures to, to take place. But, like, this thing is happening. And I hear you. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if, if it's 2022, not 2023, when A-Rod and Lori say, Hey, Glenn, thanks. We have all the working knowledge we need. Like, you're still going to be around. Glenn did acknowledge that he is going to maintain some sliver of ownership. After Arod and Lori ascend to majority owners, it might be ten percent, it might be fifteen percent. But Glenn is going to to still stay on board as, as a limited partner. But yeah, it wouldn't shock me if, if it's a year from now, year and a half from now, not two and a half years from now. I wouldn't dismiss that possibility one bit because really, do Arod and Lori really need two and a half years no. to learn everything? No, that <laughs> no. That's, that seems that seems a bit too much.
0: No, it's I mean, this this feels to me like it's just it's Glenn wanting to make sure that they stay in Minnesota. It's just it's everything you just said. And I will add to or it could
3: be it could be for expansion reasons that Glenn wants to remain. He's on so many different advisory boards. You know, owners have all these different subcommittees. Glenn's on many of those. It might be Glenn wanting to remain in place to push forward expansion to Seattle and Vegas. And I keep saying those cities. It's not a stone-cold lock, it's those two cities. Those are just the two most logical cities. Yeah. But I can guarantee Louisville, Pittsburgh, some other cities are going to fight for an NBA franchise. I just think it makes the most sense to expand to Seattle and Vegas. Then you take two teams from the Western Conference, and I can tell you, Minnesota, Glenn Taylor would push for this. You have Seattle and Vegas in the Western Conference. You push two teams right now in the West to the East. Now, I'm sure New Orleans and Memphis would also push for it. But I can promise you, the Wolves would love to play in the Eastern Conference.
0: You know, Doogie, I, I'm, I'm not going to expect you to have done uh, all of your homework on Mark Lurie here uh, over the past couple of days with everything that's been breaking. But to me, like A Rod is the headline, obviously, and and he's and he's the one that we've been talking about here for the last couple of days. But Mark Lurie is probably the more interesting figure, and maybe even the more hands-on figure, just based on his business and tech background, and for people. We promised this resume on yesterday's show. We just got rambling and forgot, quite frankly. Um, he, he has a net worth of $1 billion, and it's from three main things in his last 15 to 20 years professional life. He's 49 years old. He founded what became diapers.com. So initially it was one 800 diapers in 2005, rebranded as diapers.com. <laughs> he was the CEO and co-founder of diapers.com which eventually sold to Amazon in 2011 for $545 million. Then in 2014, he founded an e-commerce company called Jet.com, which eventually uh, raised $140 million in pre-launch funding from Bain Capital and a bunch of other investing companies. And then he eventually joined Walmart to oversee global e-commerce and made like 10 to $15 million a year as a CEO. And so if there's anyone, like we've we've been... Yeah, I know that you you have a great relationship with Glenn, and I don't have a great relationship with Glenn, and I am very critical of Glenn. And so it's easier for me to just sort of dismiss Glenn, but I've wanted for a long time someone to come in here that's a shark, that's forward thinking, more of a Mark Cuban type of an ownership mindset, someone who's really, really curious and 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 who might bring ideas to the table that um that you don't think of, right? Like I want someone who's forward thinking and more shark-like and you know, maybe this blows up in their face, but like we're kind of getting what I've been asking for here in, on the Mark Lurie side, anyways, with his history um, as a CEO and as a co-founder.
3: It can't really get worse, can it? I mean, I suppose Glenn could have reached an agreement months ago with Jimmy Haslam. Oh. Maybe fans would say the the Browns owner who did have interest at one point. Mm. Maybe they would say, okay, like it could get worse if it was Jimmy Haslam. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, I'm not quite sure it could have gotten worse. Now, I suppose Glenn could have also sold to Aaron Aflalo and his money guy, and they would have been uber aggressive getting the Wolves the heck out of here, moving them to Vegas before an expansion franchise could get there. But, yeah, I think, you know, I'm not going to be overly critical of Glenn because I still feel like he has, like, he saved this franchise, right? Like, the franchise was on its way to New Orleans. I haven't forgotten that, even though that was, what, 27 years ago? He has his flaws. He has his warts, you know, some of his Heck, some of his campaign donation choices haven't wilded me. If you want to go down that rabbit hole. So there there are things I can I can go with Glenn at, but I do appreciate his transparency. Like I'm positive if I worked in New York, James Dolan isn't picking up the phone. If I worked in Chicago, Jerry Reinsdorf isn't picking up the phone. I hope Wolves fans and Lynx fans appreciate how transparent Glenn is. You know, so yeah, I will I will miss Glenn from from that standpoint, but I'm with you, Phil. Like Mark Laurie, I saw a YouTube clip. He made a, a lengthy appearance, I don't know, maybe a year ago, two and a half years ago, two years ago, whatever it was, on, on CNBC talking about some of his, some of his you know, philosophies. I think he does a podcast. Correct me if I'm wrong, Phil. Does he do his own podcast? I don't know Let's how regularly we'll see he, he hosts it. But I had somebody tell me he either makes a regular appearance on a podcast or hosts his own podcast. But, yeah, I'm with you, Phil. Like, I was told it's a 50-50 financial partnership rod and Lori and like I don't know Mark's got way more money than a rod but yeah I think I think Mark is is going to have all sorts of ideas I mean actually right. I'll he bet is, you this is
0: when you when you go through and just I've just opened up the Spotify podcast search function and and he's made a bunch of appearances on podcasts including about a year ago March 10 2020 right when the pandemic was hitting I don't know if you guys follow Gary vaynerchuk at all Gary Vaynerchuk is is this a uh, massively successful entrepreneur and he essentially spends his in- every waking second on social media, like empowering people to start businesses, et cetera. And, uh, and, and Mark Lurie made a 43 minute appearance on Gary V's podcast about a year ago. So I will be listening to that to find out more about Mark Lurie sometime later today. And report. well, you do that as-
3: homework for us. I want to mm-hmm. listen to, I just don't know if I'll be able to carve out some time here in the coming days, but yeah, I've heard, I've heard a lot of interesting things about, about Lori, including from Glenn, like Glenn said, he was he was blown away by by Mark. So yeah, he looked I think him right in the eye, out, you know. He looked him right yeah. in the <laughs> eye, right <laughs> <laughs> over the
2: table, big apple, slice of apple pie, and he looked him in the eye and said, "This franchise ain't going anywhere. Now, this it franchise is ain't going anywhere." Can I wear twenty yeah. two?
3: <laughs> it is interesting to me that that Lori chose a Rod, you know, whenever semi way back when to partner up on an endeavor like this, right? I mean, they chased. The New York Mets got outbid by Steve Cohen, now end up landing the Wolves. So yeah. like if Mark is is as cool a guy, as interesting a guy as forward thinking a guy, as as a few people have told me, I do find it a little interesting that that Alex Rodriguez of all people is who he decided to to partner up with. So I want to do a little bit more digging on on that angle. But I have heard good things about Mark Laurie.
0: Alex is, I mean, as as much as people hate him and as shady and questionable as his past is Alex is one of the shrewdest, smartest former athletes you're going to find. And I think he understands whether it's the J-Lo relationship, which let's be honest, those two didn't just run into each other at a celebrity bar. Like, that's a very strategic relationship and partnership the last three years. A-Rod starts A-Rod Corp and starts doing things with Barstool Sports, and he became a regular with Pardon My Take. Like, he sort of understands who's hot, who's – like, who are the cool kids in today's media landscape? How do I – espn baseball uh sunday night baseball like how do i get back in the good graces of the public eye and how do i build strategic relationships with people that can increase my net worth i mean that's essentially been his entire life after he He manipulates uh, run out of baseball
2: he he is a master manipulator later of the first class which is what he's going to be good at which is why he strikes me that this is what worries me
3: but you know what judd There are a lot of snakes as owners. Oh, of course there are. Of course
2: there are. But what worries me is this.
3: To achieve the financial success a lot of these guys have, you need to be, for lack of a better term, an a-hole. Like, you're not a good guy and all of a sudden becoming a billionaire. It's very rare. Like, you need to ruffle feathers. You need to piss people off. Absolutely, dude. That part part of it doesn't bother me. I'll also add, Judd, before you hop in on what Phil just said. Just even go to, I don't know if it was A-Rod's Instagram story. Yeah. At 49 years old, he's aggressive on Instagram, all, all social media channels. So, so Anthony Edwards has, has the legendary soundbite the other day. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but Ant doesn't know who, who A-Rod is, right? He was asked, doesn't know who Alex Rodriguez is. So Alex responded by saying, hi, Ant, I'm Alex. Like he just, he gets it from that standpoint, right? Like, of course. Instead of, instead of being taken aback that, that a 19-year-old doesn't know who he is, A-Rod had some fun with that. So I'm with Phil on what he just said.
2: Oh, he's absolutely right. That's the problem. He is as anti-Minnesota as you can as you can get. There is no way. I, I mean, it, it is called fly o- over country because of people like him. He literally, do you think that he's ever uh, got, gotten here, you know, with the Yankees and said, you know what, I really enjoy this town. This is a great town. No, he said, how do I get out? Uh, Twins questions if, if we can move on I think you broke it yesterday <clears throat> how concerned should we be about Byron Buxton and the hamstring which my understanding is he's not in the lineup again for Thursday's game he obviously didn't play both games of the of the double dip on Wednesday uh, what is the concern again because anytime he misses time there's got to be concerned about Byron Buxton
3: yeah. So, I mean, I get it. And I haven't seen today's lineup, but with the noon game, yeah, the lineup must be posted. So Judd, you're saying he's not, he's not in the in lineup, the lineup in this lineup. afternoon. Again. Yeah. And that could be a cold weather thing that, that he's in the lineup as soon as tomorrow night in Anaheim, where it'll be presumably a, a lot warmer. I'm led to believe for what it's worth, because I get the skepticism, but I'm led to believe that this is not any sort of long-term injury, that that he should be back here pretty quick, but It's one thing after another. Judd, we talked about this on Tuesday, not specifically Buxton having a potential hamstring issue, but I cited Buxton, Cruz, Donaldson, Polanco, Arise. That's five guys, five regulars that you literally cringe anytime they do anything, right? Phil, I saw you tweet that you cringe when Josh Donaldson has to run. We saw him run first to third yesterday, tag up from third. You're cringing. You're like, please. Don't break down. Now, maybe if it's May 20th, we get through a stretch here. They they have sustained a long period of of playing, you know, five out of six days, six out of seven days. Maybe that, that cringeness that we have goes away. But right now in mid-April, yeah. I mean, it's, it's many guys. So here we go again with Buxton, right? He had the food poisoning, missed, what, a game or two in Detroit. Now here we go with, with the hamstring issue. Missing two games yesterday, missing today's game. And it's like, what's next? So if he's in the lineup this weekend in Anaheim, it's almost like there's this inevitability that something else is going to happen. That, that Byron just has this history, even if some of the injuries, maybe even many of the injuries have been of the fluky nature that you just, you feel like what the heck is about to happen? Something else is going to happen. But to specifically answer your question, I am told by a couple people that there is not great cause for concern.
0: Is there any movement at all with Vikings and free agency? I feel like everything is slowed to a crawl. Jadeveon Clowney did sign for $10 million with the Browns, but there's still, I mean, there's there's offensive linemen still sitting out there, and the Vikings still have some cap flexibility. So um, anything on that front with the Vikings, Dukes?
3: Well, I mean, the first round of the NFL draft is two weeks from today. There's really no reason, unless a guy wants to take the minimum. It's not like they're, they're not picking up the phone when these agents are calling them, pitching their clients. It's more along those lines right now, not the Vikings picking up the phone, but agents calling the Vikings saying, hey, you have an obvious need at left tackle on the offensive line. What about my guy? Hey, you could use another cornerback. Hey, you could use another safety. Hey, you know, can I sell my guy to you? So it's more, it's more chatter like that. Uh, but I don't think anything's going to happen unless one of these guys does take a, a minimum one-year deal. I don't think anything's going to happen until after the draft. I mean, let's mm. see. Let's see how the draft plays out. You know, then after the draft, if they can use an extra cornerback, an extra safety, an extra pass rusher, an extra offensive lineman, they'll then pursue a guy. You know, come early May.
2: Duke's best guess right now. Where do you think? Because you've discussed this before. Where do you think uh, round-wise this team probably takes a
3: quarterback? They have seven picks between. Is it 77, 78? They picked in the the late 70s, 75, 76, 77, somewhere in that ballpark to pick 157. So they have seven picks between 78 or 77 and 157 or 158 right in that ballpark. So I think the safe bet, Judd, is somewhere among those seven picks, even though Trader Rick, (laughs) like I'd put the over-under. I always put the over-under at two or two-and-a-half trades that Rick will make draft weekend. And with all that capital between 78 and 157, Rick is going to try to move up. But I think the safe bet is somewhere in those, in those middle rounds. I saw The Athletic had a seven-round mock draft that they posted this morning. They had the Vikings taking Kyle Trask, the Florida quarterback, in the fourth round. Mm. He's one of many guys the Vikings have done a lot of homework on. Mm.
2: Reckless speculation.
3: I will tease on Purple Daily today,
0: we have uh, a former legendary front office member has come down with his mock draft 2.0, and that'll be part of our midweek mock. Come down's a good term, too, because
2: it's like an illness of a mock draft.
3: (laughs) Is it Fran Foley? It is
0: not. Has anybody,
2: can you find Fran Foley? You know what? I will give you a million dollars if you can find Fran Foley. David Kahn and Fran Foley, where are you two?
3: Well, David was teaching a class. I mean, know. small world, very small world. So the agent for Randy Dobnak, Nick Anderson, he has a, a handful of other clients, small world. He had a class that David Kahn taught at New York University, NYU. He said, wow. it, was, he said it was a hoot. Like, it was, it was unbelievable, to say the least. I don't know if David is still doing that. He was involved with, with some basketball team in France at one point. But on <laughs> Fran Foley... I have no bleeping idea, John. So I'll take you up on your one million (laughs) dollars. I'll I'll work on tracking them down. Okay. We have a pretty cool system there in the the Hubbard building where where I have pretty good access to be able to track people down if I need to, you know, if if I can't figure it out via just a, a simple Google search, an internet search. So I will take you up on that 1 million dollar offer. Actually Dex and might take you up smoke. on that
0: system. Uh Dex Dex looking to find some new angles to uh to find dates. So he oh, might he might need that Hubbard system yeah, too. we'll, we'll, we'll see, see how that works. Yeah, that out.
2: won't get it. <laughs> that won't be trouble at all. Yeah, no yeah. one will be fired Declan because just of don't that. let
3: them see. Yeah, Declan just don't let them see your golf swing. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly <laughs> Keep them far away <laughs> from, from that the golf video. Swing. Yeah. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 that PGA store is unbelievable. But keep them far, far away. <laughs> it's only going up. That, you know, from that video I <laughs> saw on
4: Twitter. Pun, pun intended, Doogie. It's only going up from here. You know, it's only going up from here. I think I'll be all right.
0: <laughs> uh, Doogie, real quick. I actually have one more Wolves question before we before we say goodbye here. So, Jace Frederick from the Pioneer Press, and and I saw some others, but I, I'm just I'm grabbing these quotes from Ant from his Twitter account. So he tweeted last night. This was one of Anthony Edwards' more dejected postgame media sessions of the year asked what the team isn't doing the last couple games that it had been doing previously, Edwards said, quote, not caring about winning. That's it. That's the biggest thing. Who on this team doesn't care about winning and how quickly can we boot them from the franchise? That drives me
3: nuts. And I get it. I still think it goes back to something I've told you guys for months, that this team lacks basketball IQ, lacks mental toughness, that, that both, both of those can come with more experience, that they are the youngest team in the league. But, yeah, that's troubling, and that goes back for many months where as brilliant as, as Anthony Edwards has been in, in many ways, still has a ways to go on the defensive end, still has a ways to go on on shot selection. But he's been, he's been excellent, but there's still a part of me, and I know a lot of people in the league share this opinion. In fact, it was others who brought this to me and said, hey, just think about this, that can Anthony Edwards truly hit his ceiling can he really maximize his full potential here in this environment that Minnesota is, is, is toxic enough. And I guess this would just be one of, one of many examples that you really truly wonder if Anthony Edwards can really maximize his time here. Now, you know, guys on rookie deals, usually if you're offered the max, I mean, Anthony Edwards at this point looks like he's, he's a max player in a couple of years. You're not going to turn down that money. So Anthony Edwards, is is going to be here for many years unless there's there's an unbelievable trade opportunity that is presented to the Wolves front office. So the Wolves have a long time to figure this out. But, yeah, like, who knew Cat was so important, right? Like, those two efforts the last couple of days, and it's hard to quantify. You know, we're guys thinking about uh, the killing of Dante Wright, everything going on here in town. So I don't want to diminish that, that possibility. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to quantify that. But those two performances – against that Nets roster, then the Bucs were down the Greek freak. Like, you can't embarrass yourself like that those last two games. Yeah.
0: All right, Dugues, great stuff. Any any other final nuggets before we before we say goodbye?
3: Yeah, so the Gophers are in on Theo John. So Theo John, Champlin Park High School, Howard Pulley, good player at Marquette the last four years. I think he's got a chance to make some money at least overseas. He wants to play another year, though. So all these guys and girls, right, If if you're a college athlete, last year was a free year right? So if you want to play a fifth year of college basketball, you can. I talked to Brad Davison yesterday from Maple Grove High School. He's taking the NCAA up on this opportunity. He'll play a fifth year with the Wisconsin Badgers. So Theo John is going to play a fifth year of college basketball, but he's in the portal. He is transferring from Marquette. Marquette has the coaching chain. Shaka Smart comes in. So Theo John is now in the transfer portal, a really good player. The Gophers are all over Theo John. So are many schools, but if Theo John chose the Gophers, he would be their starting center. He would play 30 minutes a night. He would be featured prominently. Love it.
4: Reckless speculation.
0: Inside information about your favorite local Minnesota sports teams. That's Darren Doogie Wilson from 5 Eyewitness News and the Scoop Podcast.
3: Dukes. We'll talk next week. See you, dudes. Absolutely, Phil. One more, by the way. So I just posted a new Scoop Podcast late last night. Gable Steveson, Gopher Wrestler, was on it. So we talked about his trip down to Tampa, WrestleMania, he wants to pursue a WWE career oh, yeah. at some point. He clinched a berth with Team USA in the, in the Summer Olympics, so he'll head to Tokyo in July. But I told him, I go, Gable, like, I look at you, and I think you'd be an excellent three technique. Like, you would make an excellent <laughs> defensive tackle. You're changing lives. And put it this way, he didn't deny that P.J. Fleck has at least made the inquiry, that P.J. Fleck thinks, like a lot of us, that Gable could make for an excellent defensive tackle, get him on the football field, so PJ Fleck has at least made the inquiry. So Gable did not deny that when I went down that path with him. So that's among many talking points on Scoop Podcast episode 345. That being said, of all the Gable Steves possibilities, I just, I don't put football at the, at the top. Forget of the about Fleck. How about Zim? Oh, if we're talking three techniques.
2: There's only one guy in town here who does three <laughs> techniques. That's Zim. Like you go to the best <laughs> restaurant possible, the Three Tech Restaurant. Shit that's an Egan man. <laughs> it's not on the University of Minnesota it. campus. Three Technique. I've eaten there. Big steaks.
3: And back in the day, it was eating Prairie with Brock Lesnar, right? <laughs> right? Amen. Amen. Yep. All, All right, right
0: dudes. You- we'll talk next week, man. All right. Yeah. All right. See uh, ya. That's uh, inside information about your favorite local sports teams. Uh, before we get to talking Twins, and uh, before we pick out a couple of our favorite nuggets, there, a shout out to our friends at Federated that deep dive into the Timberwolves ownership change powered by Federated Insurance. And I know there's business owners that consume our show on a regular basis. I have been one myself and uh, have an idea of what goes into running a business. There's ups, there's downs. You're riding kind of a roller coaster at times, especially the last year, year and a half. Uh, You're taking care of employees. It helps tremendously to have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind as you navigate the challenges of running a business. When you partner with Federated, You get more than just a policy. You benefit from over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. Find out more at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Found this article on Vox.com about Mark Laurie back in January leaving Walmart to build a city of the future. His next big entrepreneurial (laughs) swing, in addition to buying the Timberwolves, will be something far afield from his current expertise, a multi-decade project to build quote a city of the future supported by a reformed version of capitalism. It's a new model for society that we will be testing he teased. He declined to offer more details, but he said he would be prepared to reveal additional information in the coming months. One more quote Imagine a city with the vibrancy, diversity, and culture of New York City combined with the efficiency, safety, and innovation of Tokyo, and the sustainability govern- uh, governance and social services of Sweden. Reads the vision statement for the project. This will be our new city. And you know do you know? you Think he's talking about the Timberwolves? Is and- he talking about <laughs> D'Angelo Russell?
2: No, being the president. No, no, no. He he. What he didn't say was. That town is going to start off with a new NBA franchise. That's what it is. That's where the Wolves are moving. The city of the future. That's, what, that's what's going on here. The Wolves are going to be like in Martian suits. They'll come out in Martian suits. We, we, we come in peace to beat the crap out of you on the court. Please welcome the bit. Knicks. What the, what the hell's going on here? We're going to beat you up real bad. Yep, city of the future.
0: NBA. This is fascinating. I I will uh, I will definitely be listening later today to that to that forty five minute podcast with Gary V. But um, what are your? I mean, that's that's really the thing that it's probably gotten buried because a the Wolves are in the middle of a season and Anthony Edwards and Towns and now everything that's happening in Brooklyn Center and then A. Rod buys the team and like. The last thing that we're going to do a dive on is oh that Mark Lowry guy the other right. like the, the the actual money guy right um, but I think he's the one to watch in terms of being hands on and being the actual vision guy for the structure of the Wolves business
2: oh, and then A
0: Rod kind of comes in as the celebrity face and makes it well, cool right
2: and don't and don't forget too th- that there have been cases that I've seen where this this type of transaction goes down and then the so so. Glenn's told flat out the team is not going to move. We love you. You're going to be involved for two years. We're going to come over and eat apple pie every Sunday at your place in Naples. And and step
0: one oh, Mankato, come to Mankato. Oh, yeah. oh Mankato,
2: go. And do you think A Rod didn't say, it? "Oh, we'll Glenn, we will be in Mankato as much as you want. We'll love it. We'll." Um, okay, so step one, step one is is look guy in the eye and tell him what he wants to hear to get franchise. That's step one. Step two, where it gets really uh, juicy and dicey at times, is the Mark Lurie character will then, will then as time progresses, push the A-Rod character out because, like, on the surface, the face is, you know, Phil, to your point, A-Rod's buying the A-Rod, 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 A-Rod right? Yeah. But he's not the guy with the deep pockets. So this is all, I'm just saying, I think that this is going to be, from our standpoint, incredibly Interesting to watch play out because what you think on the surface lots of times and the people that you initially talk about aren't the people who end up uh, being in charge of that team. And only time will tell what the play is here. But, yes, there is no doubt in, in my mind that when this is all said and done, Mark Laurie is going to have a tremendous role in what happens to this franchise.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've, uh, I've 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 kind of risen above your fear fearmongering, Zolgad, and you trying to tell us beware the Ides of March yeah. that this team is moving to Las Vegas. Like, I, I want not see this it, play it, out. Yep. If it happens, it happens. But we know for a fact that for this team to do anything meaningful and give us any semblance of joy, Glenn Taylor had to sell it, and for KG to have a chance to come back to the yes. organization.
2: Glenn yeah. Taylor had to sell, but it. I'm with, but I'm with you. I'm just war. I'm just warning people that there that there is a chance that this is. I've seen this play before. Okay, beware. I'm not. But I, no, I'm with you. I said I said this to Dex on a day like a month and a half ago that you weren't on the show. I said flat out, I would rather have him I would rather have this play out exactly as it is, which is there is some trepidation. And there is some possibility that some bad things could take place. I would much prefer this than let's have five more years of of Glenn and the same floundering because this is one where it starts at the top. Like there is no, who are you going to blame now? Oh, Gerson's got to go or Chris Finch, right? Like, no, no. We have now seen 16 years at least of it's at the top. It's not one. It's not you can't. If you go and fire um, the business person for the wolves, that ain't gonna solve anything.
0: I want. I want for anyone who's who, for anyone who's sort of wondering, like, why are the wolves constantly just stumbling all over themselves the last fifteen years? When whenever they're not with Flip or Kevin Garnett, it's just mostly a train wreck, right? Go, go go to, like, Apple or Spotify or whatever your podcast app is. And type in Mark Cuban. Go listen to a Mark Cuban interview. He did one with Colin Cowherd recently. He's done them with Bill Simmons. Like, go listen to Mark Cuban for an hour. And then go listen to Glenn Taylor okay. on any show locally, like, with Doogie. And just, just listen to the way that shark owners talk, the way that they envision things, the way that they pontificate about... The future of the league and business, and yeah. then listen to Glenn. And, you know, I, I mean I'm I feel like I'm just dumping on him at this point, but you know, it's been a disaster here. And it still is a it disaster. It just needs to change. I said they got some hires right, but it needs to yeah. change.
2: It's that simple. So. And and if the team ultimately moves or does not, it's worth the gamble that we're all taking because you can't continue down this path forever. You just
0: can't. All right, boys we're gonna win twins we're gonna score we gonna drive any runs
4: twins, watching the gas strike out again out. he walked twice is, hey, he, walk. had game two,
2: he, walked he had a hard two he walked twice. Foul yeah foul ball and you know if that arise, he was this
4: close and kind the game look in
2: game one if that arise hit drops in they tie the game like i don't know what you guys are upset about i mean i can go back for every game you know what if they would change that blasted extra Innings rule the twins would have three more wins without a question.
0: Okay, all right. So there's a lot to dive into here off of the twins uh, losing back to back games of a, of a doubleheader yesterday. And our twins discussions, these talking twins discussions, powered by our friends at Dennis Kirk. Dennis Kirk, even though all right, it's been a little snowy, you know, 37, 35 it's... degrees, a little sleet snow. <laughs> uh, a little, little, we had a little, little false start spring for you guys, and Minnesota, babies. But uh, motorcycle season is on the horizon again, and whether you ride a Harley, a sport bike, whatever it is, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets. If you order by 8 p.m., they ship the same day, and uh, shipping is free on orders over $89. So they're they're just the best in the business. DennisKirk.com, and they've been a huge supporter of us through a pandemic year with Mackie and Judd and our twins' discussions. So DennisKirk.com. Support them. You'll be supporting us. Everything you need for your ride at denniskirk.com. So, all right. Well, yesterday's talking twins. If we could flash back previously on talking twins with Matt I mean, and Judd. Yeah, you were I fine. You, I told you guys you weren't panicked yeah. at all. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Five mm-hmm. and five. You're gonna have stretches where you, you go 500 during 10 game stretches all the time in baseball. On... Now, here's what I'm the most nervous about and i don't know how to quantify it i don't know if it's a situation like 10 years ago when the twins had the twins had like 15 regular players on the disabled list in 2011 and they fired their head trainer his name was Rick McWayne they just like they said we need an overhaul of the training system yeah my biggest concern is not that max kepler's bat hasn't heated up or that It's all these little injuries and dings and Josh Donaldson's legs and Nelson Cruz is 40 and we haven't really seen a huge issue there yet. But Buxton now has a hamstring and (laughs) it just feels like this team is going to have attrition issues in and out of the season. And that that makes me nervous. Like what what, what's next? Is there an elbow on the horizon? Is there (laughs) an oblique like? It just kind of feels like that the first couple of weeks. Like, yeah. what's going on? Why are you, like, food, We had like three cases of food poisoning or something already. Like, Andrelton Simmons is now going to be out uh, due to COVID. Not to turn this into a big vaccination discussion, but dude. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know
2: what this so, is, I don't know.
0: I'm just a little worried here.
2: This is... F- this is... There's two ways to approach this. One is... It's very early. It's still cold out. Some guys are getting dinged. It's uh, it, it's um, it's a it's a rough start, but it's going to, to be fine. And you you really with a team like this probably can't make any grand judgments until some point in May, if then, and that might be premature. But the problem with what you're saying, Phil, and with where it is concerning is that these are reoccurring reoccurring injuries or problems for people that have them. You know. Buxton, is Buxton ever going to be able to just consistently, um, you know, stay in the lineup? I mean, it's food poisoning to your point or before it's migraines or now it's a hamstring that's balky or Donaldson. You know, you have no faith there. And my God, he gets on base in game two. They bring him back. Uh, gets a hit, and what happens? He goes first to third. And I was in the XL <laughs> Energy Center press box yelling, "Stop at second, oh my dude! God, oh my I don't, God, oh my God, oh my I God, don't need you at third. It's not that big a deal. Just stop at second. I don't care." But these are the problems that that you see them occurring again. And look, there should be a certain amount of worry and concern about the fact that these guys who have proven that they can't stay on the field consistently aren't doing it, and I'm sorry. I don't care how hard Sano hits the ball at times. Uh, this this start is just off the charts. Awful. I have, you know what I have concerns about when it comes to, and, and I'm being genuine here on Rocco, I have concerns about his understanding and the organizational understanding at times of pitching and how pitching works and how to use it. Because I think that's a very fine line to walk. I, I don't think... I don't think it's easy, and I am not saying for one second that I could step in and be like, I got this one. But you know how with pitching, you sort of see people and you say to yourself, they get it. Like, you can just tell, and they're good, and it's nuanced. And then you see guys, and Rocco is not this guy in how he does things, but you see guys like Dusty Baker, who's really good at what at what he does, but when it comes to pitching, you're like, oh, my God, you don't know what you're doing, and it's just obvious. I'm not saying Rocco's that bad, but there are things about the way that he goes about handling pitching that definitely I, I'm like, is that the right way? So I think there are I think there are recurring flaws that we have seen previously that are coming up again that it's hard not to at least stop and pause and say, hmm, that doesn't look right.
0: I think what we've noticed the last two or three I was going to say Aprils but last last April was uh, a wash and it was really like July was the April or August was the August. April I can't remember. They started very late July. And uh, I remember early in the year he sort of treated like the first 3 weeks of August in a 60 game sprint season yeah. as if it was spring training where they were they they, they, they weren't pitching pitchers in back to back games very often. They were just sort of rolling out They were rolling out pitchers almost on a schedule it felt like. Mm-hmm. And so my so my sense and, and and I I think they know a lot more about this than we ever will. So like yeah. it's it's weird because I I think this front office is really smart, and I think they've built a really good regular season team the last few years. Um, but I also think it's fair to say that they don't play April games with a ton of urgency. Like they're very quick to rest players. Um, they're very quick to pull starting pitchers maybe before. Like last night, Carlos Radon for the White Sox there was a no hitter up to like 111 pitches or whatever it was. There's no way Rocco Baldelli would have allowed that to continue Zero beyond six. like 85 pitches. Yeah, he wouldn't have wanted to deal with the perfect game into the ninth and like having the pitch count rack up. Now, what will remain to be seen? You know, is 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 Carlos's arm about to fall? Tony, off the guy La- out, think, Tony LaRusso was not taking him out. <laughs> Good old Tony. Um, and so I get the twins. Are de- the twins are all about the long game, right? They don't make they don't make linear logical moves. Cody Stashak just struck out three batters yesterday, and he's li- he literally is striking out like I want to say like seventy percent of the batters that he's faced so far this year. He has struck out, which is just ridiculous. Yep. Um, and he's he's given up a couple runs too, but he looked really good yesterday. Just he finally you know sort of dialed it in, and he gets optioned to the minor leagues, and you you know. The logical—you've watched baseball for your whole life—and the logical thing was would would be to now maybe move him up in the pecking order, right? Oh, this guy's—he's a strikeout machine. Duffy's struggling, and so Stashak, by like all of the baseball logic that we have known for decades, would in theory maybe move up the pecking order after yesterday's game. And this front office and manager option him to AAA, mm-hmm. and and they're doing it, I think, because they feel like they've burned through a lot of pitchers. They don't want to use pitchers on back-to-back days very often, and they feel like he's just not going to be available today. Um, And so, therefore, he's going to go down for 10 days and then come back at some point. So they're not not thinking in the way that you're used to Ron Gardenhire and Terry Ryan think and the way that baseball front offices and managers have thought for a long time. And I understand it, and I think – Oftentimes, they're playing chess while we're thinking checkers. But there are some things that make you raise an eyebrow. Um, I'm not yet full-on panic. Five and seven is not the end of the world, and they still have a positive run differential, which is a good sign. Um, but there's definitely enough red flags in the first two weeks to make you feel uncomfortable about their start to the season. Dex, are you are you panicking?
4: I'm not panicking. It's just... It was really frustrating watching. I was at both games yesterday, and it was just frustrating. So... Obviously, and especially in the second game. So Jose Barrios, right? We're waiting. if It's is the year we see Jose finally break out, and he's looked really nice in his first two starts. First time through the order, absolutely mows down the Red Sox order. I mean, it was he was dialed in. The pace was good. Striking out batters. And then for all of a sudden, uh, and Phil has brought this up before too, it's almost like he gets super in his head, and he stops throwing strikes, and he starts walking batters. He walked in a guy on four pitches with the bases loaded yesterday. And it's like, Jose, what, why did you stop yeah. attacking the zone? Why, what, what, are you doing here? Like, just because you have really good stuff doesn't mean like you have to just nibble around and do all this. I think watching him basically melt down and then throw like a 40 pitch fifth inning and the Red Sox sent 11 batters to the plate and put up six runs, it was incredibly frustrating. And then basically at that point, in both situations, they pulled Maeda and they pulled Burrios in games one and two. Baldo just like waves a white flag. I mean, I, the, the pitching matchups. Throwing out Waddell there to basically say, "Hey, you're gonna get your two wings," and we're and like, "This is it." Like we're sending you back to St. Paul right after this. Just the just the ineptitude from Rocco sometimes on like these April games, and yeah, it, it, it on, on April 14th. I'm not really going to be too concerned what happened when I'm in, when if the Twins are in October, but it's just really interesting to me how he manages that bullpen. Let's delve into
2: Rios for a second and his um, psychology when pitching, because I, I think his mental. Makeup is a great talking point, and I think his problems at times and successes are driven by by not only his own, as Dex said, uh, at times getting in his own head, but I think it goes beyond that, and I think there are times, look, that game against the Brewers, Jose Barrios was unbelievable, like he was lights out, and I'm pretty convinced With the way that he was going that night, that a third time through, he would have been fine. Uh, Like I didn't see any slowdown there. I saw a guy who got the ball, threw the ball, was on top of his game, and was absolutely confident. I also think part of the problem with that he's got going and that the Twins, I don't, I don't want to say they don't care, they do care, but I think that they are part of the problem here. Is I see a guy who, as he gets the second, as he goes the second time through, at times. So he'll be great the first time. Almost starts to try to be too fine because he knows if he starts to struggle, he's out. This is where I don't think they empower him ever, and I think it's a mistake. The more Jose Barrios thinks, the worse he becomes. And I think he's probably a smart pitcher and a smart kid. So he knows damn well okay, if I go the second time through and I'm throwing like I throw and my stuff's not great, it's good, but it's not great. And I start to struggle, I'm probably gone. So he, he becomes so he does what Dex is saying, which is he starts to nibble, he starts to try to be too fine because he's thinking to himself, if I don't, I might get taken out. And it causes more problems. I think a guy like Pineda doesn't give a damn, which is a good thing. But I mean, I think he just goes out there and he's like, "I'm Big Mike. I'm going to be Big Mike today." I think Barrios is like, "Okay, my stuff's not as good as it ordinarily is, but it's not bad. But I, I need to, I need to do this. I need to be careful to well, this guy. I'm going to n- nibble here or there." And I think it becomes a real problem. And this is why I've talked before about I think it's important with a guy like that that Baldelli empowers him at times. And I think Baldelli rarely empowers him, and this goes back to the playoff game and why I was so disappointed, because that was one game where I think you turn him loose and you say, Jose, we trust you. You're staying in. And instead, they're like, no, our rules are our rules, and that gets him thinking. And I think the more he thinks, the worse he becomes.
0: Yeah, I I think you're onto something here in that there's, there's clearly a reason why starting pitchers aren't allowed – or it's not that they're not allowed to face teams a third time through. It's that managers are very, very cautious in front offices because the data is out. Most pitchers historically just don't do as well when you allow professional hitters to see their pitch repertoire for a third time. And then the scouting and the level of attention to detail in in just offensive scouting of pitchers and the film study. Like, you know, during games, they can go and, like, watch film on a guy's pitches. So they're just – it's not like 30, 40 years ago where – You know, you're just gonna get up there and take your hacks, and you might only like you might only see two or three pitches in your first two at bats because guys were swinging early, and now like guys are taking more pitches, so you're seeing more of the breaks and the spins. And so, I get that if you see 12 or 15 of a guy's pitches before your third time through, like you know everything he throws, and it it just becomes harder to get that guy out a third time. So I understand all of those things, but I also don't know how you can make it through a full season and playoffs and win at a super high level when you always have to rely on, like, four different relievers to close out your game when your number one and number two starters are on the mound. You know, is there some – and to your point, Judd, about empowering, what must it feel like if you're a starting pitcher and you know that they think you can't get anyone out the third time through the order, and so you're kind of in your head about it. It's it's already a thing statistically, and now it's even more of a thing because they're making it a thing. Yep. And so it, there's probably a, a level of just, like – um self-fulfilling prophecy that happens if you're Jose Boreas and you go out there and it's like well I suck third time through the order and so uh here we go I guess I'm going to start nibbling right um so I guess you have to find to me you have to find some sort of middle ground between you can't just never let a guy pitch the third time through the order or you're going right. to you're going to ru- you're going to be running out mediocre pitchers for the last 5 innings of every game and you're going to give it more runs but you also have to empower them in a way that helps them navigate a really hard thing, which is third time through the order in 2021 baseball. So it's a hard nuance. I don't think the Twins have mastered it. <laughs> no, but so. But I,
2: I think the pro- so I think the problem that the Twins have from uh, Falvey to Baldelli, I think part of the problem is, how can I put this? They are, I think they're very smart. And I, and I do think that they are good with people. So, so like, this is not to say that they are a holes. They're not. But I think where they struggle is identifying how to, how to balance, um, what their data says, which is valuable. I'm not trying to insult that, but against how people are wired. And like, I do not think that every pitcher should be told, okay, you know what? That third time through thing, yeah, it's a thing, but we're, but we're going to empower you all can't do that. I'm just saying in the case of Brios, who I think is a sensitive smart kid or guy, I think, he, I think he's a guy that you probably should sit down and weigh the data against his abilities, which by the way, are outstanding at times, and his personality. So Pineda, you know what? I don't think he cares and I think he's fine and I think he's going to go be Big Mike for as long as you ask him to and you pull him out and he might be ticked, I don't know, but I think it's absolutely fine. Um In Barrios' case, I think you need to weigh a lot more than they weigh, and I think sometimes they really go by what the data says as opposed to the data says this, but the person's personality says this. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Just as an experiment, we'll get to old tweets exposed here in just a second. I just want to compare. So the the last full major league season was 2019, all right? So in 2019— twin starters through 889 innings, 889 innings. Uh, 20 years ago in the year 2000, twin starters through, well, the average, the average starting staff through about a thousand innings or so between 950 and a thousand innings. Mm -hmm. So, so really what you're looking for now compared to 20 years ago is an extra almost full inning per game, out of a relief pitcher, because your starters aren't allowed to go that far in. Which might sound great, like you bring a fresh arm in, and that guy's going to be throwing 95, he's a buzzsaw, he's Cody Stashek, right? He's just a buzzsaw, and uh, it's a fresh look, and, and on paper that looks better. But you're also relying on more relievers to be pitching at their best every single day, and then you churn through more guys, and you have to have deeper... I almost think if, if if these teams and the Twins are committed to, listen, our starting pitchers are five-inning guys now, period. They're not eight-inning guys. We aren't expecting them to go seven or eight. We we want five, and then we'll evaluate. Then I almost think you need like at least two additional starters, starters that aren't starting the game, and Dobnak is one of them, and maybe Alcala can be another one, where you trust them to come in, and they're not just going to come in for an inning, but they're going to come in like a full trip through the order, or maybe two, and you've handcuffed starters together as opposed to like running, a, just running a line of like Duffy into this, into this every single day. I just don't I don't see how that's I don't see how you can shorten starters loads and then not have like more good long guys in your bullpen if you want it to work. But I don't know. I also quit baseball <laughs> after high school. So oh fair I, question. I have no idea. I'm it's, fa- it's a fair question. It's a very fair All right. question. All right. You want to go back in the archives? Here? Oh, yeah. All right, every single week, Declan Goff scours the Internet, the Twitter search function, to pull incriminating and wrong tweets mostly from our past. And then we, uh, we judge who had it worse. And this segment today is powered by Wamatech. So Wamatech is here to help you with uh, not your broken down Twitter feed, but your broken down phone, tablet, and laptop. And maybe it's time to get a new one. You don't have to break the bank if you want a new device or a slightly pre-owned device, that's where Whamatek comes in. They source pre-owned devices directly and pass the savings on to you guys. They'll even buy your old device for cash. Buy, sell, trade in, whatever you need. Whamatek.com. That's W-A-M-A-T-E-K.com. Local company. Support them. You can support us here on Mackey and Judd. Um, What do you got for us here this week, Declan?
4: The Mitch Garver edition of old tweets exposed from all of us. And as Phil Mackey said in 2019, Mitch Garver doesn't sleep. He waits. Look at this yeah, mug. Yeah, amazing. Tweeted on May eleventh, twenty nineteen. Oh, one hundred fifty-seven likes. He was
0: going. To- yeah, he he doesn't sleep. He waits. He waits for the next fastball to just be oh blown God. right by him. Right. Yeah. No, on his crazy. way to a silver slugger. Yes, it's very <laughs> accurate.
4: Uh, and we have uh, yeah. also we also have multiple <laughs> tweets for both, but everyone here.
0: Mitch, <laughs> has, <laughs> Mitch has you know what? Mitch, Mitch is not off to as bad of a start as some of the other guys on the team. He's slugging over four hundred. Yeah, he's hit the ball. Uh, his, he has a yeah. higher batting average yeah. than Miguel Sano and, well, so uh, and the Don. same batting average as Jorge Polanco. Okay? Stella the dog's
2: so. at one, 122, okay? God. She's got a higher average than Miguel All right.
4: that was a little But, I mean, he's walking
2: a lot, hitting the ball hard. Don't, don't get me wrong. All
4: right, tweet number two from Phil Mackey on September 10th, 2019. <laughs> Mitch Garver is a cyborg.
0: <laughs> okay, in that moment, he was. In that okay. Sure. I, what's wrong about that tweet? Yeah.
4: Well, because right now, is he a cyborg now?
0: You looking at how, I got oh, a bad feeling it's going, going to come and bite I didn't, all of us I didn't though. say that he was I going to always say. be a cyborg. <laughs> I didn't say they you were, were a cyborg. I said you're acting <laughs> like a cyborg. <laughs> all all right, that's d- the C word that we'll replace. Oh, the other God. C-word. No, 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 no. no. All right, Judd Zolgab. Mitch
4: Garver hits his second homer of the night and 19th of the season on an 0-2 pitch. Bonds, Fisk, oh, and Garver.
0: No! Which no, no, one no, would you eat? take in his prime? Bench, Bench, Fisk, Bench, Garver, not Bonds, Bonds yeah. Johnny
2: Bench, Carlton Fisk, or Garver. Okay, this is the ahead. worst. This is the worst one so far. Yeah, it's, uh, I just beat out Phil. You
0: did. I just, you just dropped all, out two of the greatest catchers yeah, of all punch, time. Yeah,
2: yeah, I'm, I'm winning. If oh, that's a thing God. right now, I'm
4: winning. You got one more, Judd. Self rep- report. Not over. So this one's not as bad. Mitch Garver was once a fan of Josh Donaldson. Now as a teammate, oh. he's looking forward to the opportunity to dissect the art of hitting oh. with the 2015 ALMV. Wow, this
2: one's really dude. bad,
4: though, because... January 29th, 2020.
2: Yeah, this one's really bad, though, because uh, Mitch's downfall at the plate coincides with Josh joining <laughs> <No>. the team, <laughs> so weird. it's pretty bad. I so got, what was
0: this? Were you at, like, Twins Fest yep, and Garver got all mushy-gushy? Oh, about he was JD looking... Oh,
2: God, he was looking forward to... Uh, Picking JD's brain, and he was going to hit just like JD. And then he actually, so after they had a summer training camp deal before they started the season last July at Target Field, there was an extended period of time one day where after they got done, they're at the they're behind the plate, and they had they must have talked hitting for half hour, twenty minutes. They were sitting there or standing there talking hitting, and you could see Donaldson trying to tell Garver what the approach should be, and
0: oh boy and now we know what they were talking about they were talk- Mitch was asking hey when you so when you strike out looking on three pitches do you drag your bat back to the dugout or do you <laughs> put it on your shoulder how much dirt when you strike I kick out on the four times shoes when game? I'm mad at him when you strike out four times in a game uh, not, do you, you, know you go what? right to the sauna i'm what not you-
2: going to pile on Mitch Garver right now i'm piling on myself for my lousy tweets
0: god all right i got two here quick
4: before you wrap <laughs> oh, quick oh yours are quick I'm so glad Barry Bonds, missed okay, Garver plays for you the Twins. Win. You just won May Fourteenth, Twenty Nineteen. The Bonds,
2: the Bonds. Um, That's where I got. Up gif or gif wins. Yeah,
0: That's I bad. mean Judds were pretty bad. This but, is the worst. But but, but but Judd, we're talking about really. It's, it's Apple apples here because Judd used Bench and Fisk. You, yeah, you, you use. I use bonds. bonds. Yeah.
4: You plot. win. That <laughs> right, one well, wins. One more, though. And I, this is an damning tweet. I just want to show something because I remember tweeting this and I remember. Oh, a you're going to get yourself off the hook. No, no, see. no. I'm not off the hook here. Here's a stat Mitch Garver ranks dead last in defensive rating among catchers who caught at least 500 innings last year, according to Fangraph. Love is bat, but hopefully he can turn a corner defensively. He did. Look who liked this tweet after I uh, put it out there. Mitch Garver, oh, Garver sauce.
0: sauce. Oh I remember, wow!
2: I remember he tweeting did. this, he did and turn he a corner. Like,
4: almost instantly liked it, which obviously applies. Someone is searching his name into Twitter.
0: Oh, good kind of job, free, Declan! Me. I take back what I said. All the critical things of you—that's awesome, amazing. So yeah, he. So the only way he would have seen that, unless he follows you, is that's if he's now. got his name searched. Yeah, right? I never. That's how uh, I. That's uh, how I got blocked by Sam Ponder on Twitter. Nice. <laughs> You'd Chris. She yeah, you was. You know. It's funny. She I... was searching Christian, Christian Ponder, Ponder and just blocking people that criticize mm-hmm. Christian Ponder.
4: She put on her Instagram story the other day. She was doing a QA and said, How was, someone asked, How was your time in Minneapolis? And she said, It wasn't my favorite time, but certainly a learning experience. Yeah.
2: yeah your husband, experience, your right. husband was bad at his job, ma'am. I ma'am.
0: would say that uh, <laughs> the, the the Ponders being in Minneapolis was also a learning experience for Vikings fans. And Rick Spielman. Yes. Never, ever yes. again.
2: Um, I do have a, a talking twins and. We should probably save this, but I do have a Talking Twins nuanced meltdown take on catching.
0: Are uh, we getting just real quick? Are we getting Cal? Yeah, I'll, I'll get him on the horn here. Okay. Uh, actually, do you want? Yeah, no. You get Cal, and then I want to hear Judd's. While well, you get Cal, I want to hear. So Jets. you want it right now? Okay. Well, is it is this a super deep dive? Why don't, no, you, throw no. it, why don't you throw it out there? We'll it's see. Not if it's not a super deep
2: dive. It's not a super okay. deep dive, but it's it's driving me crazy. It's Ryan Jeffers. Okay. There is a difference between framing a pitch. And yanking it around the zone, <laughs> you know. I think of framing catchers. I I think of the great framing ca- catchers as it, it's nuanced, right? Pitch slightly outside, but I but I move it, and the umpire doesn't even see me move it, right? Ryan yeah, Jeffers, you're, move,
0: you're, you're, you're 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 tweaking. You're your tweaking, gloves. right? You're tweaking Ryan gloves.
2: Jeffers is finger painting here, like that ball. <laughs> the ball coming low, and he'll just yank it up into the strike zone. If I was an umpire, I would tell. Ryan Jeffers at the start of a game. If you attempt to frame, I will call everything a ball. He was. It was. I was watching it on on my computer at the X during the Wild game yesterday. Had the Twins game on, and he was literally jerking the ball around the strike zone. It's driving me nuts, dude. That's not framing. uh...
0: That's kind of funny. It's it. That's that's how I envision framing if you're like in high school baseball, sure. right? And the cat the catcher is taught just bring everything back to the middle. Yeah, no question. You're right. <laughs> but, I mean, he's like, the ball is like outside, and he's like yanking it back in. Dude, that's not a strike. Well, have we looked? There are websites that give you like the catcher framing stats. Have oh. we looked up the updated catcher? <laughs> no, I did not we look them Google up. I'm just watching framing. that game, and I
2: was go, I was absolutely apoplectic about him. It's, it was finger painting of framing.
0: Do you remember when, when the Twins – so catcher framing stats became all the rage publicly like six years ago. Yeah. And the Twins signed Jason Castro to we, a three-year contract. We were contract. on the show together when this happened. And it was like – people were like, Jason Castro, what? This know, guy's like frame. a 200-hitter. like, no, you guys don't get Expert it. Expert framing. This guy's – if you add in the amount of runs that he produces through pitch framing, oh, it's God. like – it's really like he's Manny Ramirez in his prime. Like 135 RBIs, guy. Uh, so baseball savant, MLB.com bought baseball savant. Yeah. And they do have catcher framing leaderboard here okay. for 2021. Okay. Um, so they have runs they wow, this is impossible to decipher here. <laughs> so they have they have it broken down by zone, and then they have this ranked by uh runs, extra strikes, and strike rate. So I don't I think I think strike rate would be like on borderline pitches. And it looks like Mitch Garver ranks third. Mitch Garver's good at it.
2: I need more time to figure out how to decipher
0: these things. Mitch Garver's
2: good at it, but Ryan Jeffers is going to drive me. I'm going to jump from the press box. (laughs) I'll probably break a a fingernail, but I'm going to jump from it. It's driving me crazy.
0: So here, all right, do we have Cal? Yep. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll come back to this framing. Let's do this framing thing for tomorrow's Talking (laughs) Twins, okay? Because they have a full explanation. This is great. So it's, it's, it's nerdy. It's fun for me. I love it. Um, all right, This Friday, so tomorrow night, and by the way, Score North, uh, as has been the last few years, once again, the radio home for Minnesota United Soccer. And tomorrow night, it's the Loons, it's the Sounders in the Pacific Northwest. 8 o'clock mm-hmm. pregame, 8.30 kickoff. Our friend Callum Williams is the face, the TV voice and face of Minnesota United. And he is here to tell us All the things we and you need to know about Minnesota United trying to bounce back from a heartbreaking playoff defeat. Cal, what's going on with you, man? Thanks for coming on Mackie and Judd again.
5: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Also appreciate the the introduction of the face of Minnesota United. Actually, it's common knowledge I have a face for radio, but thanks anyway. Appreciate it. I'm good. How are you guys?
3: (laughs) We're
0: outstanding. We are we're doing well and uh, and we're excited. So I now I now live in Seattle, and so I might try to find a way to sneak into that stadium for uh, Sounders for a game fan, now, Phil Mackey. Uh, I would, I would like to see it when it's at full, like when it's actually at full on capacity at some point. That would be fun when it's safe. But what is the, what's the vibe? I mean, it was such a successful season in so many ways last year with such a bad. And we classified it as welcome to Minnesota sports officially, Minnesota United. You always have to get like a a heart-shattering loss to be in doctrine. So what's the vibe around the the club?
5: Well, um, yes, I I would agree that it was a a rather um, infuriating introduction to Minnesota sports for Minnesota United for sure. But look, at the end of the day. As you mentioned, it was a really successful season for the Loons, uh, reaching the Western Conference Final. I think um, the, the main vibe, as you say, is um, it, it's progression. I think there's a good feeling about the roster at the moment. Um, we said this last year, and I'll say it again, Phil. Once again, Minnesota United have the strongest roster they've ever had, and um, the steady progression of the Loons uh, continues year after year. And you know, it's been suggested already that having reached the Western Conference final last season, maybe, maybe the expectation now is to go one more and to actually go and win something. Dare I even suggest they go and win the championship, you know? So it's a far cry from those early expansion years and the struggles that they had with the roster and what have you. Um, We're very excited to welcome in the fans to, to Allianz Field safely. Uh, I believe we're going to have around about 4,000 people for the home opener, which is next weekend against Real Salt Lake. But as you mentioned, all eyes firmly focused on the MLS Cup finalist, Seattle Sounders, this weekend.
2: Cal, I, I hate to ask this, uh, but I have to. Um, so Vikings fans uh, to this day recall 98. They recall 2009. And, and th- those things, surprisingly, uh, despite the time that has passed, are still open wounds how long is what happened to you guys in the uh in the playoff match? How long do you expect that to be an open wound for fans of this team?
5: I think for some time until they actually go and win the championship um I mean, let's be honest, right? That would be the case if the Vikings were to win the Super Bowl. I think a lot of those memories would would be eradicated. Um, it, it's just uh, what happens in professional sports, isn't it? So, look, I mean, it, it was just such, um, it was so Minnesotan the way that they lost the game. And look, I've I've only been here for five years, but I'm I'm learning for sure um, that that you guys really are. Um, I'm trying to be polite about this. but Tortured, Cal. Just say of, it. We're tortured. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. That's you're that's one of us. Correct word. That's the correct word for sure. Um, so, look, I mean, the fact that Minnesota were 2 nil up, when Emmanuel Reynoso scored from range, um, we all thought, wow, this is great. Minnesota have the lead in Seattle in the Western Conference Final. And then all of a sudden, they snatched a two-goal advantage, and they were 2 nil up, and, and I couldn't help but think, this is happening. Minnesota are on their way to the championship game. This is absolutely happening right now. And then what happened was just typically Minnesotan in the sense that they conceded three goals within, I think it was 12 minutes. And Seattle Sounders did what the Sounders do, and they just find a way. They are perennial winners in this league. Four finals in the last five years. They've won three championships in that time. As, um, as Phil insinuated, they, they play in front of 60,000 on a regular occurrence, um, on a regular occasion, rather, in Seattle. It's, um, they, they are somewhat of the model franchise. The only thing they're missing, really, is their own soccer-specific stadium. But when you're playing in front of 60,000 people and filling an NFL stadium, you don't really need one. So mm-hmm. they're, they're a, a phenomenal franchise. They've always spent money. They've got some really good individual players that Minnesota have to be aware of. Um, but I think for the first-time chaps... I actually think the Sounders are a little light on their roster and and I don't fear them as much as as I I think just about everybody has um, over the course of the last 10 years uh, since they came into Major League Soccer. So I'm I'm thinking that Minnesota have themselves a really good opportunity. For the first time ever, I would put Minnesota United's roster up against the Sounders roster and say I I would probably Mm -hmm. say just about Minnesota have the better roster, which let's be honest, did we ever think we would say that?
0: Uh, Cal, every year you uh, you wind up with new fans trickling in because MLS is uh, on a growth curve the last well, the last 20 plus years, but specifically the last five years. So of the season additions to the roster, who excites you the most? And, uh, and if you could educate us on who we should be looking out for here in the early going, uh, the floor is yours.
5: Okay, Phil. So, there were no fewer than 10 new additions to Minnesota United this season. Um, Some of them were depth pieces, no doubt, but several will come in and challenge for first team minutes straight away. Um, The headline grabber, undoubtedly, is a centre forward who's coming from Argentina, coming from the club in Argentina, which is Boca Juniors, for those unaware. Um, This guy is called Ramon Abila, and he has a very good goal-scoring record in Argentina, the good thing is, as well, he's also a very good friend with another Argentine on the Minnesota roster, Emmanuel Reynoso. Let's not forget, Emmanuel Reynoso was scintillating when he came in to Minnesota United. One goal, I know that probably needs a little bit of work, but seven assists in 13 games in the regular season, and we all thought we saw a little glimpse of what he could offer. Then we really saw what he could offer in the playoffs in just three games, one goal, and seven assists in just three games. So the combination of these two will be key moving forward. for Minnesota United, they know each other well. They're from the same town in Argentina, Cordoba. Their uh, link-up play has has been wonderful for Boca Juniors over the years. And now the fact is they're Minnesota United players. So Ramon Avila would be the main player I would suggest people look out for. Uh, He's very good in front of goal. Uh, He's not the quickest. He's more of a stocky individual, but... That the main thing with him is that he is a goal scoring threat. And the exciting thing about this, as well, chaps, is that Minnesota United aren't done in the transfer and trade market yet. There is still moves to be made. I expect there to be at least another addition announced within the course of the next seven days or so. I know for a fact they're working on, on another big one as well. Oh. So. I, I think
0: Reckless Speculation, speculation. It's, uh, reckless, it's yeah. reckless Speculation yeah. Thursday here If on you want to throw
2: out some I'm names judged. of the big moves that are possibly coming, I mean, we'd welcome them here
5: I, I couldn't possibly shout out the names, but what I what I could do <laughs> is, is I could I could tell you that these names will, will add to what is already a very strong starting 11 and that those that have come into the club expecting to play will be under pressure to deliver on a consistent basis because if they don't they'll be out of the team, so look like I said, this is such a strong roster for Minnesota United. All the experts have got them finishing as a top three team in the Western Conference this year. And and look, I, sometimes I disagree with these so-called experts in inverted commas, but um, this time I absolutely agree with them. I, I think that has to be the aim this year, towards the top end of the Western Conference, get to the playoffs, do well in the playoffs, play a couple of home uh, playoff games at Allianz Field in front of hopefully, at that time, we're, we're allowed to have 20,000 people in, you know? So it's um, it's so positive for Minnesota United at the moment. The energy is really good. They retained a lot of the core group that, that were around last year as well. Um, so look, as I said, um, in terms of the starting eleven, it's the best Minnesota United have ever looked. But also from a depth perspective as well, if they are to, to have injuries. And look, they are going to lose a couple of players to the European Championships and some uh, South American tournaments uh, over the summer. Um, but when that does inevitably happen, for the first time... I think ever, you can say, we're okay. Minnesota have got bodies to to slot in, and there won't be too much difference.
2: Cal, I would like to thank you personally, because as the TV voice of this team, one of my biggest complaints with TV guys who do play-by-play in this town is they're homers, and they don't tell me the truth, and they try and spin things. You came in here today, and one, one, you put the pressure on, which I absolutely love, and two, you basically threatened <laughs> roster positions because of competition. You are now my f- – you see what? I want everyone else. Dick Bramer, take a lesson from Cal. Start threatening <laughs> wow. Twins players because the competition is good. I love what you just did. Thank you.
5: Well, look, uh, you're, you're more than welcome. And, uh, look, I think I've said this to you guys before. I just can't do the Homer thing. I understand why it exists, right? but certainly in a growing league and a growing sport in this country and and in Canada as well for me it it's I've always said this before, and i'm I'm sort of happy to be somewhat of the bad guy in adverted commerce if um you know if an opposition scores a great goal, I'm going to give it its due diligence because in my opinion. You know, you, you mentioned it at the top of the the interview there, Phil. The fact that it, it is new and people are still latching onto the sport, people are still wanting to come and, and, and see what it's about. You know, we're getting new fans every single day. So I always view it like this: if Valley Sports North is on uh, in a in a bar somewhere in the Twin Cities or, or somewhere in the state of Minnesota, and you've got two Joe Schmoes who are just generic sports fans, who you know maybe like the Wild, maybe they like the Twins, but there's a Minnesota United game on, right? And all of a sudden, they just start watching, and the opposition scores. And all of a sudden, this random British play-by-play guy is going absolutely wild because, you know, whoever, Team X, have scored against Minnesota. It's not my aim to make them angry or annoy them, but if it does, to me, that's a success from my point of view, because it means that you care. If you're a random fan, and you all of a sudden, you're annoyed at this random play-by-play guy going crazy because the opposition has scored against minnesota it means you care and maybe just maybe i've got you then and you could potentially come back and watch next week that's how i view it i'm okay being the bad guy and doing that if we're going to grow this thing
0: Mm -hmm. i love it i'm here for it (laughs) outstanding
5: Outstanding.
2: Yep, that is
0: Callum Williams. He is the excitable, as he put it, British play-by-play man for uh, Minnesota United TV broadcast. The radio partner, Score North, uh, of Minnesota United again this year with John Harrison and Dan Tehrer on the call. 8 o'clock pregame, 8.30 kickoff. And you can find those games on Score North Radio, AM 1500 in the Twin Cities, or scorenorth.com and the Score North app. Also, you can find Sound of the Loons podcast on scorenet.com, and we're launching, uh, relaunching Loon Talk with John and Dan next week as well. So, Cal, thanks for coming on. We'll do it again sometime soon, and uh, good luck to the boys tomorrow night in Seattle.
5: Chaps, appreciate it. Have a good show. Talk to you soon.
0: Thanks, Cal. All right. Callum Williams has been a friend of the show for, uh, for a few wow. years, and he's always great. What man. a great awesome. breakdown. What a great breakdown of why he is. He
2: is. He's true mm. professional. He completely gets it. Yep. He threatened roster um, positions. I,
0: I love that. Not that I'm trying to not that I'm trying to, you know, separate him from Minnesota United because it would be great if you would be calling Minnesota United games for a long time, but I think his future goes well beyond Minnesota United. I think mm-hmm. you might find him on, on mm-hmm. some national calls at some I write point. Write that down. He's a young dude and so- sounds, uh, like we'll you know, sounds like you might, you know, might know something, something there. Yeah, I don't like have any info. Know, sounds like, like you do. I don't have any info. I don't, have, right? any info. I don't have any info. I don't know. All right, that's a wrap on today's Mackie and Judd episode. Tomorrow, we dissect one of the craziest NFL drafts in modern history. I got so many Draft day. I got so many thoughts. Still got to watch it. My head's going (laughs) to blow off. Still got to watch it. It's a sports movie rewind tomorrow on Mackie and Judd. And don't forget, a deep dive into Mitch Garver's pitch framing on Talking Twins. That's right. That's right. See you guys.
1: Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.